Runner at first. The one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. A Baker's dozen for Robbie Ray. 13 strikeouts through seven superb innings from Robbie Ray. Well, there you go. Another Cy Young-type performance from Robbie Ray of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, the Blue Jays beat the race 6-1 yesterday and uh, Kevin Barker winning the series in the process. Um, we've got today off. No off day for Barker and myself, though. Mm. It is Baseball Central. Uh, we'll be joined by Derek Falvey, who's the Executive Vice President and Director of Baseball Operations with the Minnesota Twins. The Twins are in town tomorrow night. We'll talk to Derek in a few minutes. Jeff Passan joins us and Eric Karros as well. Uh, that was Ben Wagner's call of Robbie Ray's final strikeout yesterday. This is what Kevin Cash had to say after the game, the Rays manager, about uh, about Robbie Ray. It's tough to make an argument that's not the best fastball right now in the American League. It's a simple approach, very simple. He's going to throw it. He got off of it, and he threw it basically all breaking balls except for a fastball to Nelly. But for the most part, he's going to come after you with fastball top zone, and when it's there... There's really not a ton you can do with it. So it's kind of one of those tip-your-cap days and tip-your-cap seasons to him. Pretty much dead on, Mr. Barker. Yeah, I think so. Well, well, just just break down what he did yesterday. He threw 101 pitches. He threw 58 four-seamers. He threw 39 sliders. He threw four pitches that were not fastball slider. And he's talking about the... the uh, I think he threw what he threw. Uh, he threw a one one change up to a Rosarena in an yeah. 0-0 count. He threw a 0-1 curveball to uh, to the boomstick. He threw the, so basically he threw the four pitches that that were not fastball slider to two guys. That's Rosarena and, and Nelson Cruz. He, the two guys he would well, who ambush who exactly. are who are very aggressive early in counts. He wanted to mix it up a little bit, try and get them off of what, how he wanted to get them out, which was obviously in and. And and the tunneling of the slider and those kind of things. The 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 bat I think was in maybe the I want to say it was the sixth inning against uh, no, yeah maybe it was a it was the sixth inning against Nelson Cruz and I think it was a one one count the the pitch that he threw that was one zero that was up and away and and it was like the difference between this Robbie Ray and years past Robbie Ray that I've seen is he threw the pitch and it was you know he went around the mound. Uh, he, he didn't shake his head, but he went around mm-hmm. the mound. He did his little squat behind the mound. He he was rubbing a little dirt. He put a little rosin. And it just looked like he was recalibrating exactly what he did wrong to fix it and not do it again. And then he came back, and, and I think he struck out Nelson Cruz and had a bat with a slider elevated fastball. But it was just a fact of you, how he makes in-game adjustments from pitch to pitch. That That's the difference for me. And obviously the life on the fastball and the, and the, the tunneling, like I mentioned, and the repeatable delivery. 75% of the time, that slider's a ball. And you see really good lineups and really good hitters just don't pick it up for whatever reason. And they swing over it or they take it or he just, you know, it's a combination of, of a lot of things, but it's confidence and it's, it's tunneling, and it's where he starts out the pitch. You know, when he was on our show about two weeks ago, whenever he said he throws to Kirk's shoulders. And you could see yesterday when Kirk would sit up in on the black to a righty, he would start the slider on the the shoulder that's closest to the middle of the plate so he could start it there. It would break, have more break to it. It would actually have that illusion that it's the fastball, and that's why you were seeing the right-handed hitter swing over that. 
for me, he's the Cy Young Award winner. Like, it's, you know, he would have to fall off the map the next two or three starts, however many starts he's got left to not win it. But what he's doing, you know, he had 13 strikeouts. He makes it look easy. I, I just don't see how it's even close. I know Garrett Cole's in the mix and and what the things that he does, and he'll probably, if he has nine or ten more strikeouts, he'll have this, he'll have more strikeouts than than Robbie Ray. But you got a lefty doing this in the American League East to a bunch of right-handed hitters, and he makes it look easy. Like it's it's not hard for him. Like it's if he repeats the delivery, he has a little deception, he establishes in early in the game, you're done. So Robbie Ray on the seasons, twelve and five, he's got an ERA of two six nine. Got 177 to third innings pitched, 233 strikeouts. That is too shy of his career high. If you're wondering the Blue Jays' record for most games with 10-plus strikeouts in a season, Roger Clements had 14 and 97. He had 11 and 98. Robbie Ray right now has 10. And against the Rays this year, Robbie Ray is 2 and 1 with an ERA of 1.85. Uh, his 10 double-digit strikeouts, by the way, are the most in the majors this season. And if you're wondering about Robbie Ray at the Rogers Center, he is 3-0 and with a 1.32 ERA. And, and, and <clears throat> if I'm Robbie Ray, I might be keeping that in the back of my mind as I approach free agency. Again, I'm not saying that he's not going to go where he's going to get the most money and where he's going to get the most term, but Kevin Barker, he looks and you would know this having played the game he looks comfortable on the mound in toronto and i think you know what i mean by that he it looks like he owns he looks like he owns the game when he's on the mound in toronto i that's i, I can't put it any other way when roy halliday was here and roy halliday was on the mound you got the sense that he owned the whole freaking place yeah. and that it might as well be called Roy Halladay Center. I get the same impression with Ray. I haven't gotten that from any other starter since then. Didn't even in 15 and 16. Didn't get it from Burley. Didn't get it from Stroman. Didn't get it from Sanchez. Mm -hmm. This year, though, it's almost as if he just owns the place. Yeah, the question you have to ask yourself here at the Blue Jays, can he do this again? Can he do it again after that? Could he do it again after that? Because it's going to probably cost you at least three years at a number, maybe a fourth year. That's the question. Are you, if you gave him four years, would you get two more good years like this yeah. one? Yeah. That's I'd, the thing you got to ask yourself. It's that repeatable delivery. It's maintaining the, the 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 routine that he has between starts, the heavy lifting, all the things that go in. He's going to be a year older. He'll be another year older the year after that. So it's it, doing all of this with two pitches, the, the high velocity, the location into righties. You know, next hmm. year, would he need a third pitch? That's the question. Like, it's there's a lot of questions there. Uh, the projected matchups for the series this week, and Michael Pineda will be on the mound on Friday for Minnesota against Hyunjin Ryu. Bailey Ober, he's a right-hander. He'll take the mound Saturday against Stephen Matt. Sunday is TBD against TBD. Sunday should be Alec Manoa's day to start. We've got a big series coming up, clearly. Uh, I mean, all these series are big, but yeah. you're going into Tampa. How do you play this? You know, Arden Zwelling addressed this a little bit today in his article in sportsnet.ca. But, well, you know, before you do that, let me just give you the standings because it, it, it dovetails with what, I'm, with what I'm saying. Right now, the Jays are 82 and 64. They are tied with the Yankees with the, for the wild card spot. Boston's also in a mathematical tie, although they're, they're a, a one-point winning percentage behind Toronto and the Yankees. The A's are three and a half back. 
Uh, Seattle's four back. We're about three days away, I think, from saying we can probably bury those two teams. Mm -hmm. And it's going to come down to the teams in the American League East, uh, the, the Yankees, Toronto, and, uh, and, 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 and Boston. So using that as a background, Kevin Barker, you're the Blue Jays. you got to plan for a bunch of things here. And, and I don't know, maybe we'll be able to get Pete Walker on at some point, mm-hmm. but I don't know how you plan it because here's what you're planning for. You're planning to win as many games as you possibly can because you want to get the wild card. You're planning to have stuff set up so that if you have a one-game playoff, you're going to be okay. You're planning to have things set up so that if it's just if it's the wild card, in other words, if it's just regular, there's a chance right now you might need a one-game playoff to decide who goes to the one-game playoff in the wild yeah. card. You got to have that in mind. And oh yeah, by the way, you got to look ahead to the fact that if you do win the wild card you got to have somebody, you want to have your rotation set up for the next series. And by the way, if you play the one-game playoff to get to the one-game wild card, you've also got to take that into account and have your rotation set up. So, you know, Bark, you talked about this a little bit when we were in, in before we came in the air. And, and let's kind of try to piece this together. And, and you've got the starting point. You know, we know from talking to people, you know from talking to people, mm-hmm. that Robbie Ray and Jose Barrios they are routine-oriented. Yeah, and we know that Barrios seems like he's healthy. He has said out loud that he'll he make his next like, he, was, he was throwing in the field yesterday before the game. Long Weighted time. ball against the fence, too, which will tell you he's all right. Right. Yeah. So we know that they are creatures of habit. You want to keep them on their regular schedule because they're, they're going to be the two. I would say this right now with all due respect to Alec Manoa. Right now it's probably Ray and Barrios. You're one-two in a playoff Lefty-righty, yep. Lefty-righty. Yep. Okay, so... Now, we know he and Jin Ryu a couple of starts ago had the forearm injury. We know his performance hasn't been great recently. We also know that every now and then he likes that that six day tossed in there. We 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 know that. Mm. Alec Manoa is a kid, and Stephen Matz very understated, terrific, yeah, terrific yeah. season. So how do you how do you play this if you're the Jays? We want Robbie Ray. That next series against the Rays, we want Robbie Ray, don't we? Well, okay. It's, uh, okay, he pitched the 15th. So you got the 16th off. That's one day. The 17th, two days. The 18th, the third day. The 19th, the fourth day. He pitched the first game against Tampa on the road. Yeah. So that's that's his next start. Then he'd go one, two, three, four, five. He'd pitch the third game in, against Minnesota on the road. And you go one, two, three, four, five. He'd pitch the last game against New, New York at home. And then he's pitching the wild card game. So that, that sets that's, up. That's, that sets that's, up without that's, having that's, to screw around with for, it. For me, that sets for me, up. three, four, three through five in your rotation. That doesn't matter. Okay, so that, I, that's for me. Bur- we're Burrios. in the same page, so it sets up. Let's just say this: right now, you are set up to have Robbie Ray pitch either the wild card game or that one game playoff. Yeah, the, the what, whichever game okay. they, they have to get to the next one, that's the one he's. But if, and if he were to go to the wild, if if they win the wild card, he'll be get, getting an extra day's rest there. If they go to the wild card, I don't think so. There's a day off between that, and then he's he's on regular rest. So that that's that line. Okay, but what I'm okay here, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, if the one game play, if there is a one game playoff, it's going to be held the Monday after the end of the season. Yeah, and would that be his fifth day? Yeah. Well, yeah. He, okay. Because his last game would be the the thirtieth. Right. Okay. So. That'd be his last start. So the first, second, third day off on the fourth. He'd okay. be pitching the fifth. 
All right, so he won't be pitching the one-game playoff then because the one-game playoff is on the fourth. That would only be in three days. See, that's why I'm saying you got to keep that in. The, you got to take that into account. Yeah, you got to take that into account. But Brios and Ray are. The, I think the way it's going to shake out, Brios and Ray are. You're going to have. You're going to have them start those first two playoff games, whether it's the one-game sudden death or the or the wild. Yeah, yeah. I w- I would think. Yeah, and I. And it's just an interesting thing to to think of that. Alec Manoa was supposed to pitch the 19th. That's the last game at home against Minnesota, and that's mm. a that's a TBD game. Right? Why is that? That that's, that that's the question for me. Is do you put well, Stripling in there? I well, it, and another thing, do you, do you really want Ryu pitching the last game on the road against Tampa Bay? That that's that would be point. the one thing too. You might flip flop Alec Manoa and put him in that last game on the road, and you're skipping a start with Ryu. You, you're giving him a couple of days extra rest. Somehow they're going to work that. Mm-hmm. However, they'd work it. Now I'm just guessing on that. Well, why they just wouldn't say Alec Manoa's pitching the 19th against Minnesota at home? Because that's his scheduled day, but mm-hmm. well, it's it, interesting, though. It, I mean, it, it and these are, these are the things that you know. The, the this is why it was so important for the Jays to ensure that Barrios was healthy. And I, and I'm going to give Jose Barrios a little credit here. I'm going to give him credit for the fact that he brought it up to the manager and the pitching coach. And they made a very quick decision. Like things, things worked out well here. I think we have to give everybody a little bit of credit here. They worked out well. They took, they were very proactive. Took them out of the game right away. There wasn't any, well, let's, let's have you go out there again and see how it feels. So the most important thing from a pitching point of view, I think, Kevin, we're both on the same page here, is to keep Robbie Ray and Jose Barrios healthy. Jose Barrios healthy and happy and on schedule. And whatever you have to do to yeah. get that done is the most so, important. Somehow game. they're going to figure out how Robbie Ray pitches the most important game of the year. Yeah, w- whatever that game is, with Barrios ready to go in the second most. Well, important it's, game it would be all hands on deck then. Like if that game matters the most to move on to the next game, if that's a a sudden death game to get to the, to get to the wild card game, it's all hands on deck. Because if you don't win that game, you're not going to the next one, kind of thing. So, you know, it's there's a lot there's a lot can play out here, but. It's it's. I think they've got it lined up with the way their rotation is pitching now, with the way their lineup has made adjustments, with the way they're playing defense, with, with the way they're running the bases. Like if 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 you could if you were Charlie Montoya a month ago and you could just envision, close your eyes and go, man, how would this look September fifteenth? And it looks like the, it looks now. You take it. Oh, you're doing the moonwalk all over the field. You're just, you're so excited. You can't wait to get to the field because ev- everything's working exactly the way it's supposed to work. Uh, there's the only thing is it's like, it's like the, the Tim Mesa and the Jordan Romano. How do I bridge the gap between my starter? If I have to, to those two guys, that would be the little thing that you're probably going to walk around in circles trying to figure that out. But other than that, like really, what is there? Like, you know, it's, your lineup's there. George Springer looks like he's getting a little healthier. Like his swings are, he's not favoring it as much as he was three or four days ago, which is a great thing. Now, is he 100%? Obviously not. But he, his presence, that's all that matters. And it looks like he's, you know, he's there and he's giving it the, the old college try. Mm-hmm. So you, so every, everything's exactly the way I think it should be lining lining up. It's just interesting that they haven't announced Alec Manoa yet. That That's... You know, I'm sure they got a, a ton of different scenarios to to, to try and line everybody up exactly the way they want to. But I would have to guess a thousand percent 
with what the way Robbie Ray ended before the All-Star break, and he was the guy to come back the first game of the All-Star mm-hmm. break because mm-hmm. he had to be yep. on five days, no matter what. So how would you rock that boat? You're not going to. You're going to figure out ways to keep him on that, and now you figure out everybody else. It's just it'll be an interesting thing, and I, I know Petey, Petey is better at it than anybody and knowing his pitchers and knowing what makes him tick and knowing how to get the best out of, out of everybody, and he'll do that. Yeah, and it's uh, boy thinking back now to that, to to the trade deadline, and, and as I said, we'll be joined by Derek Falvey of the Minnesota Twins in a few minutes. That acquisition of Brios. Oh, so you're okay giving up Austin Martin? Yeah, yeah, I was at the time, and I still am, and I want to sign. I want to sign Brios to a three or four year extension now. Um, it just it's really set them up. It's really set them up. Yeah, well, Bri- Brios for me has made it easier if you don't sign Robbie Ray or you don't want to sign Robbie Ray. At least you have Brios. No, but what I also it, it's also it's given you a lot of it's given you some bulk against. But we were all afraid, not afraid. We kind of had concerns about what would happen if Hyunjin Ryu started to wear down a bit and started to, to see it right now. Kinda cannot imagine this rotation without Barrios. I love what Alec Manoa's done, but man, you're putting Alec Manoa in basically the number two spot and then Steven Matz in the number three spot. Well, you sure you, nice if, having, if, having Barrios. If Jose Barrios was, was not here, Hyunjin Ryu would be somewhere in the one, two spot. It wouldn't be the other two guys. That's just his money experience yeah. down the stretch. You want that. That's where he would be. Yeah. So uh, anyhow, lots, lots ahead, lots to think about for the Blue Jays. And maybe we'll get, again, it's an off day. Maybe we will get a, a much clearer indication tomorrow as to how the Jays are going to approach the uh, pitching for the rest of the regular season. But I think both, both Mr. Barker and myself are on the same page. You got to do what it takes to keep, to keep Ray and Barrios happy. And uh, if that means you have to dicker around a bit with Manoa and Mats and, and Hyunjin Ryu, I, I think that's, that's, that's kind of where you have to go. He is executive vice president and chief baseball officer of the Minnesota Twins. Derek Falvey joins us next. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We'll be joined in a few minutes by Derek Falvey of the Minnesota Twins. Um... A little bit of news today. Joe Madden, the manager of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, announcing that Shohei Otani will not pitch for the rest of the season. So that's a couple of starts uh, due to right arm soreness. Say it. Well, say it. Listen, social media now. Social media. Social media has turned the whole Vladdy versus Otani thing. Yeah. Become it's become a thing in social media. Sure. I mean, we're going to be joined by Jeff Pass, and we're going to have a little bit of fun with Jeff because Jeff been out there in social media saying folks this is all great fun and games but it's over it's done Shohei Otani's the mm. MVP um but there's a there are a lot of people saying I hang on now and this is another twist in the in 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 the story but uh nothing else it's it's intriguing because it drives home the point that I've been making about Vladdy that one of the big things about Vladdy this year is that dude plays every day period and whether or not you want to get that into a, you know, to yeah. compare that to Otani, I'm not talking about health here. I'm just saying, as we have talked about Vladdy a lot, one of the sort of check marks that 
we've been wanting to put v- beside Vladdy's name. It's the same you want to put beside every young player's name is in the lineup every day. Yeah. And it, he's in the lineup every day. What what can make it interesting if he hits 50 and they host a playoff game? Oh, now you're talking. Yeah. It's a fun debate. If, it is. It, it's, it's a fun debate if, if nothing else. And uh, we will, as I said, Jeff Passon joins us later on in the show, and we'll have a little bit of fun with Jeff. We'll try to convince him uh, to change his vote. Good luck. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work with Passon. The Jays have today off. They will start. At, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I know you won't. The Jays have today off. They'll start a uh, three-game series against my Minnesota Twins. Yeah, that's my childhood team. I thought that was old news. It's my childhood team. No, no, no. That's a team I grew oh, up. Oh, it's still. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Rays, I, I got a thing for the Rays. But, yeah, the uh, Twins, when I was growing up, I told you, I was Rod Carew. I was Well, I wasn't, but that's the stance I had in everything. Oh, okay. Twins were my childhood team growing up. Mm. Anyhow, they will start a three-game series on uh, on a Friday. It will, of course, mean Josh Donaldson's return to the Rogers Center. And I would imagine Mr. Donaldson will be given a resounding welcome by Blue Jays fans. Uh, a lot of our very good memories of this team involve Josh Donaldson. Derek Falvey is Executive Vice President and Chief Baseball Officer of the Minnesota Twins. And he joins us in Baseball Central. Derek, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. It's it's great to talk to you. We trust that you're, we trust that you're uh, you're keeping well. And um, look, uh, you know, we've obviously we got a lot we want to talk to you about. But going into the year, I think a lot of us, Derek, thought that the Minnesota Twins were going to be. Well, they, I mean, I thought the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago White Sox were going to be going at it for for the division title. I know you've had a lot of injuries this year. And and I guess what I'm kind of wondering is um, how do you go about, how do you go about analyzing this type of year as a baseball executive? You know, thanks for having me on guys. I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's obviously, as you just said, it's been a challenging year on the field, you know, for a, a multitude of reasons, you know, we haven't played baseball the way we would hope to, uh, but beyond that, too, you know, dealing with injuries and some of the challenges over the course of the year, uh, it's 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 an opportunity. And we look at it this way to grow, to learn from some of those challenges, and, and to build. To specifically answer your question about how we how we evaluate it, you know, you have to take it kind of person by person, piece by piece, and you know, learn a little bit about what went into the early part of the year, what we think we can build off of, who's coming back. You know, we do have some free agents, but we do feel we really have some talent on this team and on this roster that's going to give us a chance to, to go can compete again, because we've had a couple of good years uh, leading into this. This one obviously hasn't gone our way, but we look forward to building going forward. Okay. How about, how about shortstop? I, you know, I, I probably next year you'll be looking for that shortstop. Is it in your organization or you maybe have to go out and, and look for a free agent? You know, it's a good question. Someone we had playing shortstop the last couple of years, Jorge Polanco, has had a tremendous year over at second base. Uh, he's played predominantly over there when we brought Andrew Simmons in uh, into the fold here. And he, he's been uh, – Jorge's been everything we could have asked of him. We do think he has played some shortstop for us this year. We do uh, still consider him having that ability to, to go over there. But – We'll really try and assess what the options are through the course of the offseason, obviously with Andrew being a, a free agent. We really feel good about Royce Lewis, our, our prospect, one of our premium shortstop prospects. Um, as you guys know, another player that you had in the system that uh, is now part of our group in Austin Martin is someone who we think is it can grow and develop in the infield as well. So we're hopeful we have some long-term fits uh, inside, but we're probably going to have to focus on the guys outside short-term. Okay, you mentioned Austin Martin. Is there, you know, first impressions or, or sometimes everything? What's been your thoughts that you've seen him play? Is he 
Is he as advertised, or do you see some things that he really needs to work on? You know, sorry, you brought up for a second. You're talking Austin Martin there? Yeah, just just first impressions. What's yeah, your thoughts Austin. on him? Those kind of things. Yeah, Austin's been Austin's been everything we could have asked of him. You know, he he's come over here. I know how the Blue Jays guys felt about him. I know he was someone that was tracking. You know, it hasn't been easy for these young players to to come over, uh, start their major league careers in the in the course of this you know pandemic year and having missed so much time. You know, and so he's someone who has a real knack for hitting a real feel for the barrel. He's continuing to develop defensively. We knew that coming out of the draft, and I know the Blue Jays did as well. And that, was, that was difficult, but I know what Jose means to that team now up there and, and what he meant to us. So it's a, someone that we think really highly of going forward. He and Simeon Wood Richardson, we hope, are in, in Minnesota here soon. And Derek, that's an interesting, it's an interesting comment you made because I, I wondered as we got to the trade deadline how – teams would approach trading for other teams' prospects simply because in the case of Austin Martin, he was in the summer camp here. Uh, you know, he was in the development camp. Uh, it, you, you, you said it. I mean, COVID-19 has really thrown a wrench into the normal path of development for a lot of these guys. How, how difficult is it for, for an organization to trade for another team's prospects, knowing that in some ways the, you know, the, the prospects haven't played as much baseball in the last two years as they, they otherwise they otherwise might have. Yeah, with, that was one of the more challenging aspects of this year at the deadline was, was thinking about players, you know, across the minor league system for different clubs and uh, especially those at the lower levels, you know, have had very little professional experience. And uh, during the course of the time, you know, for us at the deadline, you know, we had we had traded a few players away, but you know, notably Jose and and Nelson Cruz, and, and those deals felt like we got guys who we did have more history on. Whether it was in Austin's case, going back to his amateur days at Vanderbilt, uh, and and then in, in the other deals, getting guys like Simon Wood Richardson or or Joe Ryan, who we got out of the Tampa organization, Drew Strotman, guys that had played professionally for a little bit that we had history around. So it was a challenge. We felt like we got some talent back, but uh, it made for it made for a unique evaluation cycle. That's for sure. When you do that, when you're making deals like that, you're giving up a guy with a little bit of control in, in, in Barrios, um, and you're getting another organization's prospects in return. Is the, is the personal relationship you have with the front office important there? You know, I, I'm not saying that you're going to trade with the team because you know Mark or, or things of that nature, but when you're like, look, you're dealing with. You're dealing with, you have one of the pitchers on the market everybody wants. The Jays are getting rid of two guys that most people view as being really good prospects. There, It almost seems like there has to be a little element of personal trust there when you make that deal. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I think relationships, you know, for, for, for all that gets discussed in this game about the players and what happens and how you evaluate and, uh, and, and the performance on the field, I mean, the, the relationships and the trust you have in those conversations is critical. And I think that uh, talking with Ross and Mark and, and the crew up there, you know, I obviously have a history with those guys. And I will say, you know, credit them. They were aggressive. They were early. They knew Jose was going to be someone they wanted to get. And uh, in order to for us to move them because of what you said, you know, with that additional year of control and uh, on a team that we felt could compete again going into 2022, for us to get there, it would have to be a significant return and uh, credit the Blue Jays and, and their willingness to be aggressive to go get him, given where they are. And I think you've seen more recently kind of how that's impacted uh, that team, not just from an on-field performance standpoint, but from a mindset standpoint. You know, I've seen it in the clubhouse. When you go get guys that are going to have an impact that make a difference, you know, that, that has a chance to really impact your club going forward. 
Derek Falvey joining us on Baseball Central at the deadline as well. You also moved Nelson Cruz. Now, uh, Mr. Barker here was a teammate of Nelson Cruz's in winter ball and, yep. and knows, him, knows him pretty well. Um, boy, those are two, not only are they, they two really good players, but as we found out, you know, Jose Barrios was, is, is, has, has been one of the best-liked personalities in this clubhouse. He's really fit in well. The boomstick, we all know about about Nelson Cruz. How, how much of that when you're making these deals as well, Derek, do you, you know, do you kind of swallow a little hard because you're getting rid of, you're getting rid of a couple of guys that are really good citizens, you know, and really solid, solid guys who, who can have an impact on younger guys in your clubhouse. You know, if you don't feel that what you just talked about in my seat, I, I think you should stop doing the job. You know, mm-hmm. the, the emotions to it are real. And, and I would tell you that in those two guys, you know, and Nelly, obviously, his reputation has preceded him for a good chunk of his career, which has been a lengthy and prosperous one. But in Jose, you know, most people didn't know him, right? He had been a twin a long time. He's not the most uh, outgoing guy. You know, he's out there in front of everybody. And, and that's just who he is. He's one of the hardest workers I've been around. He's one of the most quality members of, of the organization you're going to find. And so I, I feel like when we made that call and, and ultimately told him it was emotional, not just for Jose, but for me and for Rocco and, uh, for all of us here when we gave him that information. But the first thing that came out of his mouth, and you guys won't be surprised to hear this, is just thank you. Thank you for developing me, for helping me become the pitcher I've become, and, and I'll always have the twins in my heart. And, you know, he's, he was excited to get to Toronto and, and go compete. And there's nothing that surprises me about Jose's success and, and the impact he's making in that clubhouse, there's okay. no doubt. Okay, you guys have a, a young catcher named Ryan Jeffers there. We, we have a couple of catchers here that, you know, you're trying to develop, you're trying to win at the same time. In an organization, you know, that's had a down year, how hard is it for, you know, somebody in your position to look at that position? Because that's a that's an important one, right? The blocking and the, the game calling. And how do you judge a young catcher this this in this type of year? You know, it's a, it's a great question and something we've really wrestled with. And not just, you know, the catcher. Ryan's done a tremendous job. You know, he started out the season with us went back to AAA to get some more regular playing time and at-bats as Mitch Garver was going good for us, and it gave him some chance. But when you look at – this gets back to an earlier point we were talking about. You look at the COVID you know, impact in, on the minor league players, there's so many guys that get, oh, let's just say, seven, 800, 900 plate appearances at least at the AA and AAA levels that have lost you know, some of that development time. And when you look down at a guy like Ryan or you look at some of our other young players, it's maybe only a couple hundred plate appearances at most, you know, at those levels. So we know development needs to continue at the big league level for players like that. And there are going to be some bumps. There are going to be some challenges, but it's incumbent upon our staff. It's incumbent upon the player himself to say, listen, I, I'm at the highest level and I know it's hard and I know I got to compete every night, but I also got to get better. And, and that's our focus. Ryan has done just that exactly. And he's really played well this last, uh, these last few weeks, uh, both behind the plate and offensively. Derek, listen, it was really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Uh, I know how valuable off days are during the season, especially this late in the season, and uh, we really appreciate your time and your insight. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Best of luck the rest of the way. Thank Thank you. you. Derek Falvey is Executive Vice President and Chief Baseball Officer of the Minnesota Twins, and if you know anything about the Twins, Twins will be back next year. Yeah, well, will be back. Next it's time. obviously the division they play into. It's you know you, you could you could take a little bit of a step back and and try and figure out your rotation and you know try and figure out if Ryan Jeffers is the guy that can put the fingers down every day and and get you know young pitchers through some starts when they're having some hiccups on the mound. It's I, I just an interesting 
conversation or, or thought that he had on on young guys. Because, you know, mm-hmm. when you're struggling and you're 20 games out of it, when you're in those positions, you're going to come to a game and specifically look at one person the entire game. I know I would. Yep. And how would you judge that? And and how much lenience would you have for a guy, you know, as a 24-year-old behind the plate, you know, struggling offensively? How would you look at that? How would you judge it? How many chances would you give him? It's, you know, it's a, it's a, I don't think that's an easy answer, right? I, I know it wouldn't be for me if I were running the team. No, it's, yeah, it's the old story, right? How much do you read into what you see in September? Yeah. Both good and bad. I mean, we've all, if you've covered baseball or played baseball, you know, you played in September for God's sake. And that that's one of the questions is somebody comes up and has a great September. The first thing everybody says is, yeah, you know what, though? I mean, it's one thing to come up in a team that isn't contending and, you know, you're yeah. playing spoiler. And it's one thing to do that. And another thing to come up and really, you know, really lay down a marker for a team that, that's contending in a playoff spot. And of course, the hardest thing is if you come up late in the year and the team is contending for a playoff spot, you're probably not going to play every day because the team that's contending for the playoff spot is probably pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, just just to back to Ryan Jeffers, he's got 241 at bats. He's hitting a buck ninety-nine. You know, a- average is not everything, but you're hitting a buck ninety-nine and, and you're 24 years old and you're fighting for a spot for next yeah. year. That, that's the whole thing is you get like you want to have progress. You want to show everybody that's just looking at you. When your team's having an, an atrocious year, that you're really good and you can help them go where they ultimately want to go next year. It's there's a real fine line there on, and you know what you're looking at, how you're looking at them, that certain player, certain times of the year. Yeah. It can't be the easiest thing. That's the point, right? It's you know we sort of look at Alejandro Kirk here. What what is the guideline for a young guy coming up and trying to help a team get to the playoffs? What's the expectations? You know what. I, you know how I judge something like that? And this is to Alejandro Kirk's credit. In this situation, I look at the guy and I say, okay, when he's in the game, am I losing anything? Am I losing something defensively? Am I, am I losing something offensively? And look, I, I think Alejandro Kirk needs a little bit more work defensively. News flash. So does Danny Jansen. I mean, catchers always do. But that's the way I judge a guy. When he's in the game, do I sit there and go, God, if only the other guy was batting. Or, God, if only the other guy was behind the plate. And I don't feel that way with Alejandro Kirk. I I think so, too. You got to look at, do they carry their woes to another side of the ball? Like, like say, Kirk is not hitting, like he's 0 for 15. Mm -hmm. Is he carrying that to the defensive side? If I were looking at Ryan Jeffers... If I if I'm leading the the Minnesota Twins, is he carrying the 199 yep. average to his defensive side? Is he does he is his game calling get less if he's 0 for five with three punches? These are the kind of things I think you have to look for, and you know it's it's an opportunity for young guys to shine. Yeah, and different organizations have different expectations for their catchers sure. too, right? Some catch some organizations a catcher has to be an important offensive contributor. Well, look, this organization, it's nice. But, look, at, look at Danny Jansen. He was he was hitting awful, but they wanted him in yep. the game because he was a good game caller and he blocked the ball good with. So it's it's just a cool conversation to hear it from a different organization. 590-590 is the text line. When we come back, we'll talk a little Bo Bichette, and we will go to the text line. This is Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
All right, 590-590 is a text line. The Yankees are leading the Orioles 2-0. Really? The first inning. No, the bottom of the second inning of their game today. I, I was watching that game last night when Hayes hit the, ho- the home run to take the leave the Orioles, and then I was thinking to myself, there's no way this is going to last. So I'm walking to, to my son's room to put him to bed, and I can hear my wife in there going, no! She, I, I, okay, I, I got I, I need a minute here. I need a minute here with Blue Jays fans. Folks, do yourself a favor. Pay no attention to any game the Orioles are yeah, in. Yeah, it's tough. It it really if if you're sitting there, if you're sitting there thinking, come on, Orioles, help us out, just don't. It's it's just not worth it. It's gonna drive you nuts. Seriously, just assume that the Yankees are gonna win or whoever's playing the Orioles is gonna win and move on. I, I same thing last night. I saw the home run. Everybody in, you know, people on social media, well, I'm going to the Orioles. Stop it. Mm. One can dream, Jeff. No. No, one can't dream. <laughs> one needs to... Be real. Be real. <laughs> Do not ever find yourself in a position. Just fu- It's just funny. What it's was just, it? Baseball make grown people just yell and scream out things that they normally Oasis, don't scream out. Oasis saying, don't put your... Don't put your life in the hands of a rock and roll band. Don't put your life in the hands of the Orioles. Just don't. Mm. Seriously, don't. 590-590 is a text line. Passon joins us in a uh, few minutes. Huh, Sean from Willowdale. Jeff, how would you feel if the Jays beat the Rays in the ALDS? Oh, it's happening. Would you finally admit Barker is the man? No, I would not. I would not admit Barker is the man. Could it happen? Yes. If the Jays face the Rays in a playoff series, could it happen? Yes. Would I pick the Jays to beat the Rays? See what happens the next series against the Rays. If they take two or three in the next series against the Rays at the top after taking two or three here, then I will raise my hand and I will say that if those two teams meet, the Jays will win the series, knowing full well that if they don't, I'll still come on and go raise up. But I think those three games have nothing to do with it. Playoff games are a little different than games that don't matter for one team, that all, that all matter for the other team. That's just me. I think these games matter for the Rays. Kevin, I think, I Kevin think, Cash, I think, would be managing and, and matching up a little different in a playoff series than he will in September. Games don't matter when he's already got a home field advantage, probably. And Who would you want in a wild card match with the playoffs started today? Yankees or Red Sox? I don't care. The Jays will beat either of them. I swear to God, I don't. I don't care Yankees yeah, see, or the Red, Red Sox. The Red Sox worry me a little bit. They, they, they have a balanced lineup. Devers, De- Devers Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, it's a lot to handle. Yeah, except You're you going to have to have your stuff, depending on who's yeah, pitching and yeah. – Except you know what's going to happen. You know the Red Sox are going to have another COVID outbreak. They just are. Well, you hope not. You you want to you you know you want to really well you want to beat their team full squad. Yeah, yeah. You don't want you don't want to say you beat half their team. I don't care. I sure you do. I don't care. Hey, at this yeah, point, so I'm not. So I'm not. So there's not. There's nothing moral about this. No. Hmm. Winning's winning. Ruben in Alberta, and Ruben, thank you for this because. You are oh, leading man. us right into our next next topic. No, Ruben doesn't. Ruben's a guy that likes to bust my balls, so that's why I like like him on, on text. Okay. He's, you know what will be very ironic, guys, that after the prolonged reluctance you had in giving Bo a chance to develop as the team shortstop, when it's all said and done, he'll be the Jays' all-time best shortstop. Mm. Uh, Ruben also is uh, 
weighs in every time. Uh, you notice the choice of words weighs in every time Alejandro Kirk does anything. Oh, um, so and, and that's fine, so Ruben. I mean, I'm a big fan of Bo. Oh yeah, Ruben. He was, he Ruben, was all Ruben in on Bo. Even when Bo was chucking balls in the fifth no, row, Ruben, and Ruben was. Ruben, bad yes. footwork, and Ruben was texting internal us. Internal clock, and I'm giving him. Yes, he yes. was okay with Bo. He doing was all okay. Those he thought he thought there were a lot of issues with the team, and that Bo at shortstop was not one of them. And and I look, I, I think we were perhaps a little more measured than other people in that. I always said that for me. Bo moves to second base if I get one of the elite shortstops in the game. If I don't get one of the elite shortstops in the game, then I'm not moving him. Well, in other words, in other words, Simeon, he's playing second. He makes the routine boring play. That, that's what you want. In a, in a, I, I'm not. I'm not everyday lo- defender. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not looking at Simeon because Marcus Simeon, if he comes back next year, isn't going to be the starting shortstop. Well, he, he was here this year. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that that doesn't matter because they didn't move Bo off shortstop to get Simeon here. Right. But I'm talking about a guy like Carlos Correa, and at that time we were talking about Lindor and all that, yada, yada. So you are right, Ruben. Right now, I no, Bo can be my shortstop. Um, the only way I would ever consider moving him to second base is if I have a chance at Carlos Correa or something like that. But Correa and Springer on the same team for the Blue Jays. Hey, look, bang I, the, for, for me, the garbage. For, like, if for only me. if they bring the garbage can. <laughs> for for me, yeah. Look, look, I think Ruben's stating the obvious. It's it's easy to state the obvious when when Bo has made huge adjustments defensively. Yeah, I know it's worrisome. I, I know they really worked hard on it. I know they were really thinking about it. I know he had to make some changes. I know it's performance driven. You know, you're not performing. You continue to chuck ball after ball after ball in the, in the fifth row. You ain't going to play shortstop long. I don't care how, how good offensively you are because shortstop is the quarterback on the field. So he's made adjustments. He's not doing that as much. Footwork's much better. All the things that go into being an everyday shortstop's better. Can't argue that. He stepped up. Good for him. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt. He's got 25 and 20-plus bags and driving in almost 100 runs. That doesn't hurt either. No. No. Um. It doesn't, doesn't at all. And uh, Bo is, I mean, you you talked about it today. Uh, let's just take a look at young Bo's numbers here. Um, he's the second shortstop in Jay's history to hit 25 homers in a season. Tony Batista in 1999. Everybody in that team hit home runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, look, I, I think... Bo's not even close to ceiling offensively. Exactly. He had five ribbies yesterday. He's got 51 multi-hit games. That's the most in baseball. Again, he's got 93 ribbies. You made the point, and I can't argue. I don't think we've seen the best of Bo offensively. Not even even close. Yesterday, yesterday he hit a two-strike, three-run homer, and he had a two-out RBI. Those two things are not easy to do at the big league level. When people know that you can do it and you still do it, that's a huge deal, and you can tell he's in between a lot. He has no idea about explain the leg that. Kick. Okay, explain that to me. We got a minute and a half left. You're explain seeing, the you're seeing it, but depending on the pitcher on the mound, depending on what the scoreboard says, depending on what he needs to do, runner on third base, you can see he does the leg kick because he wants to get the ball in the air. That seems to give him loft on the baseball for whatever reason. May add a little bit more uppercut to his swing. I don't know what it is, but you can tell he's – Letting the, the scoreboard dictate what he does at the plate. What if he just finds something he does all the time? Like Vladdy. He does it consistently. Okay, I do this till I get to two strikes, and then I do that my two-strike thing. What if I do that over and over and over again? What if it's 
he all of a sudden gets confident in that, that he can get it down early, meaning his foot in an athletic position, and repeat bat path consistently over and over again. And what's it going to look like? Whew. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is the American League MVP. We'll see if Jeff Passan agrees. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash. I think I know what the answer is going to be. On the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Baseball Central. Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. Uh, no baseball today for us, hmm. for the Jays. But we're still the Orioles around. are playing. Yeah, oh, boy, oh boy. The <laughs> Orioles are playing. Yes. They are. Yes, they are. Well, they're there. <laughs> do we have our flushing soundtrack ready for the Orioles? No, nah, don't worry. I don't do that. I've, I've overplayed that. You have. I know people got offended by that when I called them orange turds. I, I never should have. But you apologize? I do apologize it, it, in a degree of, yeah, in a manner, I apologize. I, listen, if I offend any of you by with whatever I say today, yesterday, Monday, tomorrow, the day after, well, we're not on the air Saturday, but next Monday, it, please, I'm apologizing in advance and retrospectively. If I have ever offended you, I, I apologize I don't think you can do that. wholeheartedly. I can so. You cannot. I can do a preemptive uh, apology. A week in, a, in advance? Well, you just never know. You, you, you just never know. Huh. Speaking of apologies, I'm going to give Jeff Passan a chance to apologize. He joins us right now on Baseball Central. What the hell was that? Uh, that was uh, me logging on to my computer immediately when you brought me in. It was perfectly timed, too. Wasn't <laughs> that was very good. I was a little I was a little scared. I was going to give you a chance to, uh, to apologize. Don't for- do it. I was going to give you a chance to apologize for for the way you have you have uh, you know you you have you have been skewering anybody who suggests that Shohei Otani uh, shouldn't be MVP and and uh, I'm just going to read this to you, Jeff Franklin in Oakville. Uh, imagine telling Vladdy he'd be more valuable if he hit for lower average, had fewer RBI, took fewer walks, scored fewer runs, but could throw four and a third mediocre innings every week. <laughs> Discuss. Um. The, the way I'm going to look at it and, and that I've been looking at it is like this. Uh, would you rather have Vladimir Guerrero or would you rather have a slightly lesser version of Vladimir Guerrero and Alec Manoa? I'll put that way. It's pretty, it's pretty hard to argue. I mean, you know, I'm just having fun here. I just sports talk oh, radio. Totally. Just, totally. And, and, and listen, I understand that, that Torontoans and, and people across Canada uh, can be very provincial. It's one of the things that I appreciate uh, about you guys. And and one of the reasons that uh, I enjoy coming on and talking baseball, because this is a country that, especially when its team is good, is as invested as just about any fan base out there. Um, but the, the problem with provincialism when it comes to awards is that it tends to overtake logic. And I listen, I love Sid Sixero. I, he's in, he's, <laughs> what the he's hell did you mean? I have to bring up? Oh, because that was the guy you took to task. You know that he's now a morning, yeah. he's a morning TV I host. Do. 
He I, does I yoga. Do. He does yoga and cooking on TV. I know. I understand. You can tell by his baseball takes now. Um, it, like no, no. But here's here's the thing. There there are two things that I want to say. Number one, if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. played for the Los Angeles Angels and Shohei Otani played for the Toronto Blue Jays, Sid would not have said what he said. Simple as that. And that's okay. Again, he's a national morning breakfast show host. Of course he has to stand up for his guys. But, but the bigger issue to me, guys, and, and this is one that where I have been, I'd like to believe, intellectually consistent over the last decade or so, it goes back to when Miguel Cabrera won the Triple Crown, and I mm-hmm. thought Mike Trout was the MVP. And, and my issue is this. If Miguel, or excuse me, if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. happens to overtake Salvador Perez in RBIs, which I actually, at this point, I don't think is a particularly good chance of doing so. I mean, he's got to have a a run here at the end to do it. But let's say he falls one RBI short of Salvador Perez. That means he was one RBI away from winning the Triple Crown. Are you telling me that his candidacy, if he wins the Triple Crown, should be a fait accompli, but if he falls one RBI short, should be any less? Of course not. Mm. It's the same guy. And if the argument rests on something like Triple Crown, that, that is nascent, that is made up, that doesn't have any root in what actually wins baseball games, but is re- a reflection of where you stand on leaderboards, I mean, come on. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is having an incredible all-time season for a hitter, especially for a 22-year-old. It's something that should be celebrated. It's something that should be huzzahed. He is helping the Blue Jays. Not single-handedly because Gurriel's been awesome, because Teoscar's been awesome, because that lineup rules, because the starting rotation's been fantastic, because Tim Mays has turned into a god somehow. All these things are helping propel the Toronto Blue Jays, I think, into a playoff spot. And Shohei Otani is not going to be anywhere near there. But the reality is, the way I measure value for a baseball player is what you contribute to your team regardless of who surrounds you. And I don't think that Vladimir Guerrero should in any way be higher up in the MVP voting because he happens to be surrounded by more talented players than Shohei Otani. So I'll mark you down as undecided. <laughs> no, here's the thing. And here's the truth. I've been accused the, you know, of, of making my mind up. My mind's not made up. My mind's not going to be made up until October 3rd after the last out is made. What I'm saying right now is that unless things drastically change, and, and I know Otani has slumped, and it's not been good. And if Otani goes, you know, five for the rest of the season and doesn't pitch at all, and Vladdy just continues to rake and finishes with 55 home runs, or, you know, I'm not I'm just throwing numbers out there, but, but has a crazy end of the season, of course I'm going to consider it. Because at that point, it is worthy of consideration. At this point, though, at this juncture with the numbers that each individual has put up, it's not close. Okay, you as a fan, forget about what baseball wants in the wild card game. Obviously, they want the Yankees, Red Sox. You as a fan, what, what would <laughs> be what would be a better watch? Because you obviously know everybody. Major League Baseball wants the Yankees, Red Sox. What would be yeah, a, Blair, a, a Blair, more he's, Blair? He's not he's not wrong. Exactly, one thousand percent. What would be a, a more intriguing watch? Yankees, Jays, Red Sox, Jays. Uh, I mean. Honestly, I look at Yankees, Red Sox like Cole versus Sale, and I hate to say it, but that to me is, is the most intriguing pitching matchup. Uh, I think Cole versus Ray, however, the top two guys for the American League Cy Young this year would be pretty great. 
And I think the atmosphere at either the atmosphere in all three places would be phenomenal. Um, so uh, listen, I, since I have no horse in this race, I'm happy with any of them. I will say this. I need to get my passport renewed and I almost sent it in, uh, to, to, uh, U S passport control, uh, a month or so ago. And then I thought, nah, you know what? Even with the Blue Jays, that that goes to show you guys how how you know that I had faith in the Blue Jays even when they stunk. I didn't send my passport in because I still thought there's a chance that I'm going to be seeing October baseball at Rogers Center. And I still think there's a, a pretty good chance that there's a game that's played there because I think they're going to win the top wild card spot. Barker and I had this little debate before the show. It's It's – you know, because we, we like to do this, but we're watching, we were watching the Padres and the Giants and, you know, they showed a little graphic of the, of the, the, the standings and they showed the yeah. Dodgers and the, you know, Barker said, can you believe this? Dodgers are going to have like 105 wins and they're going to lose yeah. to St. Louis in the first game with of the wild card wins. with 86 uh, wins. And yeah. then, and then yeah. he was going on about how your baseball's got to do something about this. And, and I said, whoa, hold it here. But yeah, first of all, don't cry. Cry me a river about the Dodgers. They've had a window of opportunity for about five years, and they've pissed it away, or they failed to take advantage of it. So I have no, I have no problem if the Cardinals back in and beat the Dodgers. I, I really don't. My question, though, Jeff, is because we are going in the CBA talks. Do you think that we are going to see, eventually, as a result of this, a more expanded playoff system where you know there are a couple of best of three series or something like that instead of a one game instead of a one game wild card there there are not a lot of things jeff that uh i would bet paychecks on i would bet paychecks multiple that there will be expanded playoffs next time really and i don't know i don't yeah i don't know what form or fashion they're going to take you have to look at expanded playoffs as being not just beneficial to the league and to its television partners because remember espn signed a, a rights agreement this past year with major league baseball that includes potential expanded playoffs. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's, you know, that's multiple hundreds of millions of dollars a year, potentially that is tied to the expansion of the playoffs. So that's, that is not found money. That's just money that's there and disappears. Otherwise the, the bigger thing though, is you can make an argument that expanded playoffs are good for competitiveness too. Are they not? I mean, if you have more te more playoff spots, you have more teams that feel like they could be close to a playoff spot. Uh, a team that feels like it's closer to a playoff spot theoretically could go out and spend more money in free agency and uh, thus juice a market that has really fallen on hard times uh, for the, the mid-level player in recent years. So if there are more playoff spots, I think everybody benefits except maybe uh, the, the average fan who looks at what the playoffs are and sees them as being diluted and uh, are diluted playoffs, worse playoffs. I mean, if you look right now at what's going to happen, either the San Francisco giants or the Los Angeles Dodgers are going to play a team that is somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 games behind them in the standings. Mm -hmm. And the idea that that team 20 games behind them in the standings has just one game to go out and beat them and end their season. Boy, I mean, that is, uh, that's something. And, and I, you know, part of me is going to kind of miss that when it goes away, because mm -hmm. I feel like it probably is going to go away. Uh, but when you're damn division, man, 
You know, that that's what that says. Win yeah. your division. And the Dodgers have kind of gone out and done everything they can to win their division. They traded for the best position player on the market. They traded for the best pitcher on the market. I mean, you look at their roster, it looks like a super team. It's absolutely better than the team that they fielded last year when they won the World Series. And yet here they are still a game and a half back of this Giants team that defies explanation. Yeah, it's interesting. We just had Derek Falvey on, and we were we, you know, we were kind of talking about how the how the Twins how the Twins a, a, approach things at the trade deadline and going forward. And it, it really is you really do have to find a balance because obviously you want the division title to mean something, but at the same time, I kind of like the fact that if you are the Minnesota Twins, like I, you can sell your fans on hope a little more knowing that the playoffs are expanded. And, and Jeff, I don't think that's a bad thing when you're competing for eyeballs and you're competing for, you want to get fans back in the stands. I, I, yeah. I, I used to think it was, I was a guy, I wanted to just win your division and go on to the playoffs. And, but now it's, I, I, I kind of like the idea. I like the idea of given because baseball is such a, such an, you know, it's just such an, it's, it, it's such a different game. Like my argument would be this. If, if, if we didn't have expanded playoffs, how the hell would you like to have one of the giants or the Dodgers not even having a chance at the postseason? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if we want to look at, at history and where it just has done a team dirty, uh, let's look at the San Francisco giants in 1993. Exactly. They were, the, they were the second best team in baseball. Remember? I mean, yeah. they had, uh, I think that was, that was, uh, an Atlanta Braves team that won 104 games and they won 103 games. I think that was Barry Bonds' first year actually in San Francisco and they had Barry Bonds and Matt Williams and Will Clark. Like it was a really, I think Bill Swift and John Burkett had crazy good years that year Mm -hmm. and still, still was not enough. And I honestly, I think the wild card came about in large part because the giants won 103 games that season and didn't make the playoffs. So I, I understand people who say, uh, watering down the playoffs theoretically takes away from the, the magnitude of the regular season. And, and that's, that's not an unreasonable or unfair thing to say, but all, all, my, my counter to that is uh, Jimmy's out of the bottle, big guy. Like mm-hmm. that happened a long time ago. And I think what's illustrative of that right now is the fact that you've got what four or five, I don't even know at this point how many mediocre ass teams uh, in the National League are trying to figure out whether they're going to play the Giants or the Dodgers. You know, you've got the Cardinals, you've got the Reds, you've right. got the Mets, you've got the Phillies, you've got the Braves. I mean, one of those last three is going to win the, the East, but the rest still got a shot to, to play in the wild card. Padres, don't I, I forgot them too. Yep. yep. Jeff, we appreciate you doing this as always, my yeah, friend. Nice Thanks going. so much. Boys, have a good one. You too. That's Jeff Passan of ESPN. You know, it's going to be funny. When, when Wainwright's flipping that curveball, big yeah. base the Dodgers, and then it's Giants Cardinals. <laughs> you know, but I'm saying Jeff made a Jeff made a really good point, and I and I, and I think this is one of the this is one of the beauties to me of having expanded playoffs. Yes, you do. There is a chance that you're going to have a team with 86 wins or whatever get in and, and maybe eliminate another team, but. What expanded playoffs allow you to do is it allows a team to spend a lot of money and try to win its division. And it allows for, I'm going to call them juggernauts. It allows for a team like, like, like the Dodgers to exist. 
and it allows other teams. Yeah, you know, like if you if if, yeah. if if you didn't have the wild card spot, you know, one of the, the the Giants have ninety five wins, the Dodgers have ninety four. One of them wouldn't be going to the playoffs. And what I'm saying is, it allows teams to aim for a division. It allows teams to spend a lot of money. But it also allows teams in a division that for one reason or another, and it doesn't have to be because they're it doesn't have to be because they're tight with money. It can be because in the case of Minnesota, they have a bunch of injuries. Yeah. It allows the team to maintain some sort of some sort of hope. And and I I'll also say this. How often do we look at the first round of playoffs in baseball and go, Jesus, that was the best baseball of the postseason? A lot of times those first rounds, the early rounds of playoffs are great. Yeah, it's because like the Blue Jays, like the Yankees, like yeah. the, the teams that have to fight for the last 20 games of the season are getting in exactly. this and doing everything they have to do to get in it. And then once they're in it, it, ju- it just keeps rolling. Yeah. And, and I, um, I, I think we just need to – I think we need to keep that in mind. And, and I know – you know, part of there's an economic argument too. The more teams that are involved, the higher the sure. TV ratings, et cetera, et cetera. I just think it actually helps with the competition to know that not only do you have a chance this year, but you also have a chance next year. And, yeah. and, and that, and to me, that helps a market like Minnesota or a market like Cleveland, or frankly, you know what? A market, it helped Toronto for for a while. Yeah, like these. Yeah, but like these hundred win teams, you, you got to give them every benefit they can get, right? If if, if you expand playoffs, if you, you make know, it back like, two out of three, then, like, then we're okay no, with that. Like there's no days yeah. off for for teams that are that are squeaking into the playoffs, like there would be for teams that win hundred games. That's fair. You can't be the same. You got to go. Got to exactly going. right. Yeah. So so that fair. way they can't set up the rotation and all those kind of things. It has to you right. If you squeak in, you got to earn it. Yep. Maybe. 590, 590 is the text line. Uh, looking around here. I agree with Barker and the rope-a-dope managing by cash. No way does Waka go through the order a third time in crunch time. That's interesting. Kevin and Uxbridge. Did, oh, did, did you think? Uh, Kevin, that's, that's a hell of a point. In the playoffs, do you think if that was a playoff game yesterday? Absolutely not. You think Kevin Cash, he manages differently, I is what I'm saying. I yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a great point, Walk, Kevin. Walk ain't that, flipping that breaking ball third time through. Bingo. There you or, go. Or that cutter that don't work. No, that's... Like, uh, you're, you're not giving one of the best lineups, if not the best lineup, a look at your maybe your fourth starter. Yeah. Not a chance when you got Fuego coming out of the pen. Uh, it's, it's again... Yeah, the the those three games in Tampa for me mean absolutely nothing for Tampa Bay, and, okay. and, and, unless All right. unless it's gotten closer for the best record. And I think Tampa it matters to them. Home field advantage matters in Tampa Bay. All right, you don't think you don't think though that if the Jays, this is if 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 I get it, but if the Jays take two of three in Tampa, you don't think that tells you anything about where the Jays are. Vis-a-vis the playoffs compared to where the Rays are. I'll give it to you this way. I think if if Kevin Cash could go to a guy that he absolutely goes to all the time, that he okay. knows can get an out when he needs it or three outs, Okay. and, and he doesn't really need that game, he's probably not going to go to him because he, he doesn't want to give that lineup, which he could face in the first round, eyeballs on that guy. The more you see him, the better chance you got to hit him. I do think that's something. So I think if they don't, if they don't really matter – 
you, you may see him working around, you know, trying to get their bullpen in, in a situation where they're fresher. And, and you know, when, when they hit the ground in the playoffs, mm. he's going to use them. Eric Karros is a former MLB first baseman. He's a current Fox analyst. Of course, he's based on the West Coast. I'm going to ask him about Robbie Ray's season. He must have seen a ton of Robbie Ray. He must have seen a ton of Robbie Ray, and we'll see if he's surprised by what he sees. We'll also take a look at the West. We talked about it. San Diego's beating San Francisco right now 4-1. Barker's point is made, though. There's somebody, somebody with 103 wins, around 103 wins, may be going home yep. in the West. That's, that, is some, that is something when you think about it. Eric Harris joins us next. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash, on the Sportsnet Radio Network. A reminder that there are still three home series. The Jays will take on the Minnesota Twins, a three-game series starting tomorrow. And then they wrap up the season at home against the New York Yankees and the Baltimore Orioles. So, chance to see the Yankees. And you may, you may, you may, you may, you may get a chance to see some sort of on-field celebration. Final season, final week of the season, there's a shot. You get to see an on-field celebration. Yeah, you never know. You never know. And I don't know how it would, what it would involve, but, uh. So if you're interested, go to BlueJays.com. There are tickets available for all games of the series. And uh, be kind of considering everything we've been through. I got to think if you're a Toronto sports fan, seeing your team maybe celebrate something on the field, that might not be the worst thing. Better than seeing it in Buffalo. Word to Neaton. With all those Rays fans booing and throwing stuff yeah, at the how Jays. How about that? Booing Bo. You kidding me? Who could boo Bo? Not me. Me either. Uh, we'll be joined in a few minutes by Eric Karos, uh, Fox baseball analyst. Take a look at the National League West. Take a look around baseball. I'll ask Eric about, about Robbie Ray and see what he thinks of his, his Cy Young candidacy. 4-2, uh, by the way, for the pods over the Giants. Still 2-0, I believe, for the uh, Yankees over the franchise that used to be known as the Baltimore Orioles. See, that's, that's how I, I was disagreeing with Jeff. The Yankees too easy to pitch to. I think it'd be more fun watching Red Sox Jays. That's just me. I mean, I always think that being able to beat the Red Sox is fun. It is. I, I don't know why. I, I unlike a lot of people, I've just never, I've never had, I've never been able to get a hatred for the Yankees. I never have. Um, you know, I, I talked about covering the Yankees in the postseason. Yeah, they, I, I love being around the Yankees I in the postseason. They treat you right. The players were good. Mainly jealous. Jealousy. You know, a lot of fans yeah. are jealous. All they do is win. Boston, I hated postseason. It was always cold. It was wet. And they stuck you out in the corner of the Oh, they did that on purpose. Bleachers. What's your name? Go stand out there. Yeah. The auxiliary press box. Although I did get to sit beside Anderson Cooper. How was that? That was cool. Nice. For for He was out there in the auxiliary press. I sat beside him for... That was the year they won the World Series. Probably three games. That was fun. Awesome. That was before he was really, really famous. Yeah. Well, it was fun. He's a nice man. I'm sure. And look where he is now. Um, no baseball today if you're a Blue Jays fan. Well, unless, you, unless you're interested in the Yankees and the Orioles. Uh, the well, Jays you just, will... You just keep... Jays will get back in the... No, it's just... The, the Jays will get back in the field tomorrow against the Minnesota Twins. Michael Pineda... 
against Hyunjin Ryu. First pitch will be at 7.07. It will be right here on Sportsnet, 590 The Fan and Sportsnet. Uh, the Twins are 64 and 83. The Jays are 82, 64. As he mentioned, they had today off and um, will be back on the field tomorrow. Very pleased to be joined now by Eric Karros, former MLB first baseman, current Fox analyst. Eric, thanks for joining Kevin Barker and myself. We trust that you're, we trust that you're keeping well. Um, I'm hoping that as, as someone who has done some work on the Dodgers uh, broadcasts as well as the national stuff, that we could get some insight from you on Robbie Ray because you probably would have seen Robbie Ray in the National League West, I'm thinking, when he was with Arizona. Um, Arizona, yeah. he's a guy who obviously has changed since he's come over t- to Toronto. He's a Cy Young contender. I'm just wondering, are you, are you surprised by that, by that change? This is a guy who appears to have gone from a pitcher who looked lost in Arizona to a guy who's going to, you know, going to break the bank in free agency this year. Right. But, but yeah, I, I mean, look at excited, uh, you know, for Robbie, as far as just for him to have the success, and any time you, you see a guy that, look, at, he was one of the better pitchers in the National League early on, great, great arm, uh, and then he just, you know, fell upon hard times, right? And so, you know, why does that happen? Um, you know, who knows? Could be a multitude of factors, but the fact is there's a change of scenery. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe Toronto presented some different information or showed him some things, or maybe he took it upon himself, or maybe it's just, again, it's a, it's a fresh start somewhere. Um, whatever it's been, it's translated into, you know, huge dividends for, for Toronto, uh, you know, not walking the guys, throwing strikes. Um, and again, this game, I, I would argue that it is the most mentally taxing sport there is. And and I would you know I'm going to hear about golf or I'm going to hear about some uh, this this is uh, you know and Kevin can speak to it you play this game the failure yeah. the the mind games I mean every one of us have have sat in a hotel room and stared at the ceiling and wondered if we were ever going to get another hit or pitchers, you know, wondering if they were ever going to get another out. And, you know, that just snowballs. And then you're asked to go out and perform, uh, you know, physically uh, against somebody that may be doing great. And they're like, Hey, yeah, I can't wait to face this guy. This guy, you know, mentally is lost. I mean, look at the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm diverging here, but you want to talk about how things change. I mean, you look at Cody Bellinger. Yeah. This game is difficult. It is the most difficult thing to do. And, uh, you know, you can't really do it justice explaining it, but uh, the experience and what Robbie Ray has done, I mean, just as a, as a former player, you, you can't be happier for, you know, I mean, when something like that happens, just to, to see guys bounce back. Eric, I want to get your thoughts from, from afar. What's your, been your thoughts when you turn the TV on and watch Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at the plate? It, it, do you like what you're seeing consistently? So I thought his dad. I thought his dad was sick, right? I thought yeah. his dad was 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 crazy, right? right. And, and you know, was a great hitter and just you know just explosive, powerful, um, dynamic, all those things. You know, saw him make a throw when he was with the Expos. That I still, you know, you just go, what the heck is that? Yeah, he, Vlad Junior is a better hitter. I mean, at least uh, mm-hmm. I should say right now he's a better hit. And, you know, who knows what happens in the career, but holy cow. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, the explosiveness, um, I, you know, obviously the, the discipline is the, the big separator. 
Um, but I'd argue he's a better hitter. He's got more power. He, he you know, more dangerous. And, you know, we're talking about a hall, of, you know, comparing him to a hall of famer, right? Yeah. Um, but he's fun to watch. There aren't many guys um, that I think that, you know, as a former player, even, you know, when I did play, there were, there were a handful of guys that I would, I would stop that I'm, I, I'm in awe of that I'm going to watch. Um, and, you know, now, He's one of those guys that, you know, I'm flipping through channels or, I'm, you know, I've got MLB Network on or whatever it is, Fox. It's, it's, and he's coming to the plate. All right, I, I just, I, I just want to watch this because he's going to probably impale some baseball. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, on the flip side of that, you mentioned Cody Bellinger. You know, going from an MVP to, to what he is now, when he when the off season comes, you know, he's going to go, they're going to go through their playoff. They're gonna, he's going to play where he plays. Yep. He's going to do whatever he does. If you could walk up to him and give him a piece of advice, what would you say to him? Do you just get you get to start over in the playoffs, and all of this is going to be irrelevant in the in the long run because regardless of what happens, you're going to get a fresh start next year. You're going to get an opportunity. You're going to get at bats. You're going to get the. You know, it's not yeah. like you're a guy on the cusp, or you know, if you were a normal guy, you'd have been sent down a long time ago. Mm. You know, all those sorts of things. So, what you try to do is you just say, look at. Dude, you're starting the playoffs. World Series, you have an opportunity to shine. Let's, you know, let's help us win a World Series. That's, you know, if I'm a teammate, easy to say, very easy to say. Um, but again, there's nothing that is going to change anything or make him feel better than base hits. That's it. Yeah. You can get all the attaboys and oh, that really <laughs> looks good, and oh, you had a great be. All that blank doesn't mean a thing. The only thing that's going to help are hits. That's it. And, you know, that's where I, I, I get back to this game. It's just, you know, you got to, it's constant failure. And no matter how sick you are to your stomach, no matter how, you know, bad it looks on the scoreboard when you're walking up to the plate and they announce your name and it says, you know, 150 and, you know, whatever it is, nine home runs in your September, man, you've got to have the fortitude to go up there and compete. And that's, you know, it's funny because I will say that baseball, you know, everybody talks, it's a, it's a man's game. It's a man's game. Yeah, you, you find out who you are when you're struggling. At least it gets opportunity. You know, I'm, I'm on that side of I got about two months of struggling, and then I got sent down to double right. A, and it was, you know, once you get the prospect thing off your name, now obviously he's been an MVP, but, you know, he, he just looks like it's almost like you turn around and hit right-handed. That's, that's sort of how it yeah, feels. I mean, but, but so in his defense, so you have to remember, this is a guy coming off shoulder surgery sure, in the yeah. winter, broken leg at the beginning of the year, hamstring, you know, he's, he's also, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's a soon to be father. So there are a lot of, like, again, it's, it's hard enough to just play this game if everything's great. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. you know, you couple that. That's why I say like, it, it's, you know, it's a man's game. Okay. You know, we, everybody can't really feel sorry for the Dodgers, but in the, in the wild card game, <laughs> in the wild card game, who gives them a better chance of winning that game as the starter? Wow. That's it. You know, so I'm, you know, the way Scherzer's pitching, you gotta, you gotta start liking that. But I still, like, I feel Bueller, um, you know, you look at, you look at Walker Bueller and what he's done, what he's done in the postseason. You know, you look at his postseason numbers, you compare them to, to Scherzer's, Bueller's better. And we're not even talking about game 163 that he threw against the, the Rockies a few years ago because that counts as a regular season game. But here's the, the caveat. The but is – 
the one thing that Scherzer brings with him that that you know not many guys do is that it's that aura of invincibility that just kind of permeates over to the rest of the club. Like you're just like, man, I got this guy. And even you know if he gives up a few runs, like he's gonna he's gonna battle. He's gonna you know. He's going to fight. He's going to, and you know, for whatever whatever that is, it's you know, it's not really quantifiable, but it there is something there. But I, man, that's just I I I was I was Bueller, um, you know, and then and then Scherzer had that great uh, game against the Padres the other day where he, where he was perfect for seven innings. But I still like I'm I'm Bueller's my Bueller's my guy. Bueller's you know he's the Dodger. He is the Dodgers ace, and he's stepped aside the last few years whether it was to Kershaw and you know I mean maybe they're going to ask him to do it again to Scherzer but I I just Bueller for me Eric you know we focus a lot obviously in the American League East here I've got to ask you can you can can you explain the San Francisco Giants to Barker and myself like because you know we obviously we don't they're they're yeah right like you look at the names and you just say whoa they're deep as heck and they can they can match up with anybody meaning They've got they've got depth all you know was it 25 now 27 guys and they're 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 good guys they're not they're not the superstar names although you know you've got the Posey you know the, you know Brandon Belt an excellent player Brandon Crawford they're having career years but these other guys these other guys whether it's Darren Ruff or Yastrzemski or Donovan Solano or Lamont Wade like these are all guys that are very good players but for some reason or another, in other organizations, they just kind of got, well, you're not really that good. And so they kind of play with a chip on their shoulder. And they, you know, every at-bat counts. Every, they're, not, they're not taking anything off because there's no security. And they've, they've been able to translate that into a, a, you know, a great season. And like I said, Gabe Kapler and Farhan Zaidi, the, the matchups that they've been able to, to um, you know, it, go with because they're so versatile i mean they've always they've always got an advantage eric really good of you to do this thanks so much yeah, terrific great insight stuff. thank you all right thanks a lot take take care guys thank you eric caros fox analyst uh they really interesting that that division is something else man like uh, we i've i always have i i like i mean we a lot of people like the giants huh? But uh, that division plays – they play some really funky games. They really do. There's always drama. Yeah. You know, we're just watching right now, like, San Diego's kicking the hell out of the Giants right now. And there's that bizarre play at second base with Tommy. I think it was Tommy Pham kind of runs into a guy. I don't know if it's Tommy Pham. But it's just there's always something happening, man, with the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres. There's always something happening. Uh, you know, People always talk about Yankees. Yankees Red Sox rivalry. You go to some of those West Coast games. They they detest each other. That's the same thing. I talked about the Central. You played yeah, in the yeah. Central. Central Division teams hate each other. We do. The we Reds, did. The, the Reds, the Brewers, the Pirates, the Cubs. They just don't like each other. No. And the Padres, the Giants, and the Dodgers. They don't like each other, and their fans don't like each yeah, other. Yeah, I think a little bit of that too. You're starting to see that with the Blue Jays here. You're starting to see a little bit. I think of with. Exactly. You know, you're starting to see a little bit on TV of we're trying to overtake, this is the Blue Jays, overtake mm-hmm. the big bad Yankees and the big bad Red Sox and, you know, the little engine that could in but Tampa Bay beats you don't, everybody. You don't get that. I guess I mean, you really, you've, you've got to have serious issues to hate the Tampa Bay Rays. I guess. 
I, I, I think you would have to stand in the box uh, against, their, against certain right. guys that's and throw a bazillion miles an hour trying to get you out. And they always, you know, when it matters, most of the time do it. Yeah. And they win as many games as they do with a payroll of around 60 million bucks. Like it's, uh, I, I think that, well, at least I think that's what the I Blue mean, Jays are trying I, to get I mean, to. Look, a little bit of the bully on the block kind of thing. Let's face it, though. Since if we look at 2015, I mean, the team, the only time the Jays have really had a hate on for team was Baltimore. You know, with Stroman and Showalter and then the playoff game here. Okay. Oh, Batista. Batista. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it really, it really was. <laughs> that was awesome. But, but, you know, yeah, the Yankees have been the immovable object. And, you know, there was that great game. I think it was, was it 2015 where Russ hit that home run off the Yankees and the building was just shaking. It was like until Batista's bat flip, it might have been the loudest I'd, I'd, I'd heard that place. But there was something about the Orioles. I mean, the, the Orioles, I... Just remember, remember what it was like to celebrate in Baltimore when you finally made it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's odd. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think there are, I really don't think there are rivalries in the American League East that match up to. Yeah. I think, the, ha- these other I think the hatred thing's very individual. It's not team wide. It's one individual against another individual. Well, look now, Joey Joey Votto, Joey Votto, man, he he basically, he he takes on the entire Cubs team. That's a little bit of what it is. It's not the entire team hates the the, the other entire team. It's one individual has, you know, either happened, something's happened and, and, you know, gets thrown at or it's hit a couple of times, you know, hits a home run and those kind of things. So, yeah, for me, it makes it fun. I love it. Yeah, though no, it's uh, Johnny Cueto when I was there was, you know, the, the central hated Cueto <laughs> for yeah, whatever they, the the way he did the paws and the and the all the herky jerky uh, stuff he was doing on the mound. The other teams hated that. I mean, I I, I covered a a Reds Pirates series in September one year, and it was for a piece I was doing at Russ Mart. I mean, they just threw at each other. I mean, they flat out what they weren't they weren't moving feet. Now they were throwing at each other. Yeah, they were, th- and the f- first game of the series. I, g- I guess there had been some carryover from earlier in the year. But yeah. I, I remember sitting up there and I, with Jim Turdinish, the Pirates PR director, and I, I'm looking at this, and he's like, "I'm going, they're throwing at each other." He just said, "Welcome to the Central, man. <laughs> yeah, that's how we do things here." Five ninety, five ninety is the text line. We'll get back to it. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Gareth and Bowmanville says that the Jays get into the playoffs. I'm sure there will be some heat developed with Manoa in the clubhouse because boy, oh boy, he doesn't mind saying stuff in the dugout and on the mound. I I think we we had that discussion. We started that discussion a little bit the other day where I asked, who'd you rather have, Manoa or Stroman? Because you know, people, you know, recency bias. Yeah. People do tend to forget how good Stroman was here. Yeah, I think that's an unfair question to ask. Yeah, we need to see more. Alec Manoa is not there yet, and and I sort of disagree about the the Alec Manoa and the. I think he has toned it down a little. The the rubbing the ball down, he'll do it occasionally. 
don't draw attention to yourself. You know you got he, good stuff. Uh, he has. I just there thought, has been a there has been a very there's been a very subtle change. You know, it was funny. Uh, I wish I wish we uh, we can't play the clip. Uh, what show was it? Was it on John Boy Media? It was earlier this year, and it's okay. Uh, we don't we don't have time. I'm just gonna I'll I'll. I mean, I'll kind of paraphrase it, but Alec Manoa was on John Boy, and he was talking about the experiences you pick up as a rookie pitcher. And he was talking about a game in the summer, and I can't remember who he was facing, but Joe West was the first base it's a terrible umpire. Terrible story. And he, but he's talking about how two check through one pitch it was a check pitch. He said, "I could see the I could see the barrel of the bat. I knew the guy had gone around. I look at Joe West, and West just standing there shaking his head." Happens a second time, shaking his head. And he said, at that point, I kind of realized, said at that point, I realized, okay, it, that's him telling me, you're not getting this yet, kid. That's not what he's telling me. But let me finish. I'm saying this is what Manoa said. You're not getting it yet, I know. kid. And it was interesting hearing him talk about how you do have to, there's yeah. stuff you have to get used to. I, I do. I, I had a, a similar story to that. I think that's, I, I think that's not right. That's not the way the game's supposed to be. Call it the way you see it, umpire. But I have had balls and strikes called to me because of my number. It was pitching ninjas. Sorry, not John Boy. I have had that before. Ninja. I have had umpires call me out on, on pitches. That tell aren't me, well, tell me about who. Well, I'm not telling you who, but I'm, I'm just saying that I have had umpires say that's a big number you got. I have had, I have had umpires say that. So I have a big similar, number. In other words, you're wearing a 60. So you're stay hot. Yeah, you don't deserve to get the exactly call that, right. and that I was, the and dude I was, wearing number nine. Gets. I was a veteran guy. I've been around forever. Yeah, just so happens that I got called up later in my career in September, and my number was sixty. So it happens. It's not right, but it, it happens. happens. Does now the 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 Joe West? I find that hard to believe that Joe West would do that on purpose. I find it more, I find it more believable that he just missed. <laughs> Like I, I mean, I hate to state the obvious, but we've seen Joe West umpire, have we not? Yes or no? So uh, you know, it's a yeah. it's a good story to tell, and you know, he's he's oh, this is giving Jeff. the eyebrow at first base like you're a kid. Bob and Burlington weighing in, by the way, he said, Jeff, you weren't in Toronto yet, 1996. Alomar spitting it up. Brady Anderson hitting his 50th home run in the same series. Orioles clinching the pennant in Toronto late September. I actually remember being there. Alomar hit a home run late in that game. Boozes he ran the bases. There was some hate on the Orioles starting 25 years ago. Bob, I also got to remind you, too, as well, that uh, Cito Gaston managing the All-Star game didn't get Mike Mussina in the game. Orioles fans never let him forget it. Cito Gaston got booed every time, every time, every time he went to Baltimore after that. So that's great, great point uh, on your part, Bob. The Orioles' Jays' hatred has has. I'd say hatred. It has deep, deep roots, and it only bubbles to the surface when both teams are good. Yeah, helps. So what happens this year? Okay, final series of the years against the Orioles. Really? Uh, Jays need need to All win. All three of them. All three of them. Oh. <laughs> uh. Uh. And here comes Brandon Hyde, pitching guru, pitching ninja yeah. Brandon Hyde. Get your tight pants back on the mound. Get your tight pants back on the mound. Yeah. Robbie. And he named him. That's the other thing. Yeah, now, when it, you say a guy's name, you do, you're, you're, calling, you're you do, calling him out. Yeah, you don't. It, it's but, one thing to say, get the hell back to, up in the mound. To, it's another thing to say, get the hell back up in the mound, Robbie. To Robbie's credit, he gave him the come here and get you some sign. And Brandon didn't do it anymore. Yeah, I know. To his credit. Come on out. I've, had, I've heard enough. Come on yeah. out here and get you some. I wouldn't have handled it that 
It's you know Robbie Ray's a he's a nice guy. So he's a dude, isn't he? he? He's yeah. a nice. He you know he he wants to rip your heart out with those fastballs in because it is the hardest pitch to hit in baseball. Is a good fastball in? I know they always say down and away is the best uh, pitch in baseball. You reminded me. Ah, no, it ain't. No, you the reminded me something. In. You reminded me something. Okay, uh, Ray uh, Robbie Ray's going to face the Rays again. Yeah, I think it's the the, the right. first the the first game on the road. Tell me what you think Kevin Cash should do. And I know you're what just you joking. Oh no, you, I'm you not were joking. just joking. You're saying, okay. No, no, tell joking. me, tell me what Kevin Cash should do I, against Robbie all Ray. All I see, all I see is Robbie Ray just eating right-handed hitters lunch, taking them behind the woodshed with two pitches. I would stack a bunch of lefties against him. Okay, explain that. Robbie well, Ray's he, a hard-throwing lefty. He's a one-sided guy. How many times he he'll do it? But how many times do you see him go away to a righty? Mm-mm. It's rare. He'll do it mm-hmm. occasionally. Maybe a changeup, and maybe that little get me over breaking ball. Yeah. But it's mainly into a to a righty with two pitches. Well, you're thinking if, if I stack a bunch of lefties against him, it's going to be sort sort of the same thing. It's simple. I want the ball away from me and elevated. If I'm a lefty, I go up and I look for that. I got a better chance of hitting it. That's funny. I'm, I'm putting barrel to baseball than righties do. Because a lot of people look at that and go, yeah, there's the old story, right? Guys who used to throw, guys that throw screwballs, uh, you would you would want to have a lefty going against the lefty. I remember when John Franco, reliever, was throwing his screwball. And I remember one time I was talking to Felipe Alou, and I said, why did you pinch it righty for a lefty? You know, he brought a lefty in to yeah. face a lefty. This is when I just started covering baseball. I had been there a couple of years. I guess and Felipe said, because screwball, you want a lefty on a lefty. Mariano Rivera, don't, don't, don't put a lefty in there. He saws those bats in two. They're righties against him. Because Cutter, Cutter's going to go away from a righty. Got yeah. a better chance. Why would you pinch it for a righty? He lamb-based lefties. Don't do that. This is my point. Now, he's probably not going to do it. Just because the righties see him a little bit better, and yeah. you know they probably got a better chance of seeing the ball because the they've Rays, seen it over the Rays, and over. Have, the Rays have a computer but, someplace but, that has broken it but down. Why wouldn't you? That'd be good fun. Why wouldn't you try it? I mean, sprinkle in three or four of them. See if yeah, it works. Be good fun. I mean, then there were guys who were who were switch hitters, uh, depending on the type of pitch they were facing. Terry Pendleton was a switch hitter. Sometimes he'd bat left against the lefty, depending on the pitch. Right against the righty, depending on the pitch. Maybe maybe he aims the slider, hangs it, go back leg city. I I get. <laughs> It, you know, it would take, know, a, it would take a spine to do it. But what I'm what I'm saying is it tells you it, it tells you why Rob one of the reasons Robbie Ray is so effective because he is a lefty that eats up he eats righties for lunch. Oh, he just he that's why it's the hardest pitch to hit in baseball. I know everybody says go when it out, go down and away. You know how mechanically sound you gotta beat it over and over and over again and plate awareness to lay off the ball in. That was basically why I wasn't in big leagues forever. I had everything except plate awareness. If I could have laid off the ball in off the plate, the one little jam shot that I had off of uh, some random pitcher that I know, word got out, try try and pitch him in off the plate. It worked. I couldn't lay off of it. I wasn't in the big leagues as long as I should have been. That's – it's yeah, it's the it is the hardest pitch to hit because you have to get the the barrel out in front of the plate with a quiet lower half. If you got all those moving parts, it's jam city all over the place. So Robbie Ray's he's he's mastered it. It's a, it's a, he's mastered it. You can honestly say he can throw the same thing with two pitches over and over. Well, a hundred and one times. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say it that way. What uh, I found it interesting that he flipped the curve in to Nelson Cruz. 
And the next time he faces the Rays is going to be the fourth time this year he will have faced the Rays. Yeah, I think so. I believe. He only threw, he only, out of 101 pitches, he, he threw, threw four, four pitches that weren't fastball right. slider. So it's not enough that it even matters. Could you see him maybe incorporating that Absolutely a little? Absolutely no? not. Yeah, yeah why 13 punchies. Yeah, I know. No, I'm, 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 just, seven. I'm just wondering because it, I, I, it can be an effective pitch for him. I'd, I, you know, but, what would you what would you rather have? Weak yeah, contact yeah, yeah. or a, a three pitch punch out? Yeah, yeah, it's cooler to punch somebody out, isn't it? You going for Cy Young Award, man? He's already got it in my mind. I beginning to think that you're right. Uh, in my mind, he's had it since the All Star break, but nobody wanted to listen. Now people started talking about them, but I also think that the 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 given the way the Rays of given the way the 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 Jays have been on this roll and the, the Yankees are kind of spinning their wheels. I think people are paying a little more attention now to the Jays and they're going, all right, why is that team doing? Oh, look at that. Jesus, look at that guy. Look at those numbers. That's where we are. We will be back tomorrow, 5 to 7, your two-hour pregame show ahead of the first of three against Josh Donaldson and the Minnesota Twins. Have yourself a great night. You've been listening to Baseball Central Powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network.